at that. Kind of piques my interest. I, <clears throat> we talked sometime a couple weeks ago. We talked a little bit more about Noah, and actually fits into the the message today. <clears throat> he spent a hundred years uh, getting ready after God told him to build build an ark, and now you see why it took a hundred years. <laughs> it's totally an amazing accomplishment. Uh, and he probably didn't have as much help as you would think, quite honestly, because nobody believed in it. But uh, at any rate, uh, take your Bibles this afternoon and uh, let's turn to the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 4. As you're turning there to Mark chapter 4, it, um, last week we talked uh, about fear and we were using Ephesians as our, our text there, just actually one verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, which literally defines for us the fuel um, that for a Christian that's trusted Christ as Savior without the fuel, you really, quite honestly, are a suspect to fear. And then as we uh, closed out last week, it, we had asked the question of you, and, and it just seemed like a, a direction to go. Um, there's, as, as we are not to have fear, uh, timidity, a cowardice, a cowardice or, or, or something in the sense of, of, of really in terror shrinking back, um, there is a fear and we want to talk about today that actually is very spot on. It's the more fear you have for God, uh, the less fear you will have for everything else. And so in view of that, I, I was, uh, it's amazing that there's actually a passage of Scripture that defines literally within a very short period of time, probably less than a minute, that you see a terror in the disciples in this case, and then literally watching, well, let, let's just, let's unfold it. I've got your interest going right now. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And Jesus has been speaking in Mark chapter 4 uh, to a large audience. In fact, in verse 1, it says, He began again to teach by the seaside, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the, by the sea on the land. So uh, if you can think of this, he's, he's on a lake. And literally, so that they wouldn't probably push him into the lake, is he got into a boat and he began to teach the massive crowd this chapter 4 of Mark. Okay? Now, he, he goes about his teaching, and then as, I want you to go all the way down to, uh, to verse 35. And he's went through some, some uh, parables, and he's, he's certainly piqued the interest of that large group. And it says in verse 35... Uh, same chapter, Mark chapter 4, it says, The same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, for that be his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. In other words, let's, let's, let's move away from the multitude. Let's just go to the other side of the lake. And when they had sent away the multitude, they, t- they took him even as he was into the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Master, care you not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's just open in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look again to the word of God. We thank you for the Bible, your word, Father, that can change lives, that literally can go to the depths of our hearts and to divide asunder, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. But Father, today we would ask that you would visit us by using the Holy Spirit exclusively to teach us from the word of God. 
we would ask that we have a clear understanding of the word today, that you would uh, put away some things that we may have as misconceptions, things that we may not have fully understood, but, Father, that it would be of clarity. And, Father, we would also say that, that our relationship with you would have never been further developed than it is even at the end of these moments we have before us. Well, thank you for what you'll accomplish. We thank you for those that have come out today and have found it uh, necessary and important enough to worship and to praise your name and to get with like people of precious faith. Father, we would ask that you would be glorified, you'd be honored, and ultimately, Father, that we would be uh, vessels of use for yourself. And again, we ask the Holy Spirit exclusively leading, directing, using the Word of God to go to the innermost parts of our lives, hearts, and souls. Now, these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I, I thought it was rather interesting there, just in a couple of verses, obviously they were incredibly terrified. In fact, uh, the word that he used in verse 40, Jesus, it says, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? And that's a word in the Greek that literally does mean that, a sense of, of just timidity, of extreme terror. And they were shrinking back. And, and granted, um, you know, I, I'm just amazed at Jesus, aren't you? He was sleeping during all of that which tells me it was probably a long day. He was probably exhausted. And as, he's, as the ship is, well, you can, it, it was pitching and rolling and adding water and all kinds of different things. And quite honestly, uh, they say, Jesus, are you going to let us perish? Now, first of all, let's think about this for a minute. Um, the chances of being anywhere else in the world would be not so good. I want to be in the boat with Jesus. That's where I want to be. I want to be with Jesus, Right? And that's where they are. But they're wondering, what are you going to do about this? And he doesn't say this before. He says, peace, be still. Now, again, I think of the most... Have, how many of you have spent a lot of time on a lake or a body of water? Anyone? Fair amount of you. Okay. How many of you like a lot of wind while you're on the water? <laughs> that's where it would certainly separate me from the boat in the water. I'd be gone. I'm out of there, right? That's why I probably wouldn't be out in the first place. But to think of that... That whole episode. And again, I want to be careful. A fair amount of these disciples are what? They're commercial fishermen. This isn't their first rodeo on the ocean, on the, on, the, on the lake. To think that they were this terrified is amazing. But look at this. After he asked that question, you were, you know, in other words, uh, you're faithless. And that's actually the word that he uses for fearful. That, that Greek word that means fearful actually would mean faithless. But then it says in verse 41. They feared exceedingly. It's a different word for fear. What are they afraid of now? The very thing we want to talk about today. They literally were having the fear of God. They had watched what Jesus had done, and it blew their minds with so much awe and wonderment and outstanding, I can't believe that happened, that that is a fear that we want to talk about today. There is a healthy fear of God. The sense of, and overall, I can't believe that. Uh, and, and as uh, Betty Jean gave us a kind of a synopsis of the, the ark and all of those, that situation. And I'm actually, the, along, along with that, in fact, let's go there for a second. It ties in beautifully. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. The scriptures speak of this Noah, the man that spent uh, probably right around 100 years Building that vessel that God had just out of the blue said, Hey, no, I want you to build an ark. And this is how I want you to build it. And it said that he immediately did it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter of faith. And I want you to go to verse 7. 
Now watch now. I, I want you to notice for the word that we were going to be dealing with today. But he starts in verse 7 this way. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet. No, stop. Don't look any further. That They had never seen it rain. They had obviously never seen a flood. This was brand new stuff. But God said, there's something coming, and I want you to do some things to get ready because this is going to happen. And out of faith, that is, he trusted God. Watch, keep going now. Things not seen, it moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Do you, do you see the connection of faith and the fear of God? The fear of God. Now, uh, as you're, and this is one of the things we hopefully will, will kind of even out. Because if I was going to ask the question, which I'm not going to do, but I will, and I want you to respond. Um, how many of you, don't, don't respond. How many of you have been confused by you should have a fear of God, a fear in the Lord? Um, if, you, if I did ask you to participate, I would, I would think that a lot of you would raise your That's a very complex, and it's something that is, I don't really understand that. We're not supposed to be afraid, and yet we're supposed to be afraid. Right? See, you're smiling. The ones that are smiling would have ones have been the one that raised their hands. But I'm not going to tell anybody else who that is. Okay? So there's, there's a sense of complexity to all of this. And we want to understand because I didn't count. I took somebody else's word for it. But I went into my uh, concordance and I looked up the word fear. Whoa, there's a whole lot of fears in the Bible. Now, some have said that fearing the Lord or fearing God over 300 times in the Old Testament, it's mentioned in that regard. To fear the Lord. Fear God. So he's probably trying to say something to us. Or at least to someone, right? And, and we find the same concept over into the New Testament as well. I want to show one more uh, situation that would be similar to what we found in Mark. Turn over with me, please, to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> Jesus, you'll remember as we, as we turn to this uh, particular story. Um, I'm going to, we'll start in verse 26. It's, uh, it's several, uh, uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 verses, but let's just read it. And, and I want you, at the very end of it, you'll see um, something that is taking these people by force and storm as well. Luke chapter 8. Now we'll start in verse 26. I'll be reading right now. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Verse 27. When he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode on any house, but was in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him in a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech ye, I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. He was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. There was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer or allow them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man, entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place in the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, went, and told it into the city and the country. Then they went out to see what had done, came to Jesus, and found the man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, let's keep going. And they also which saw that it was told them by the means that he that was possessed of the devils was healed. And the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now, you say, well, well wait a minute. There's a lot of stuff going on. What are they afraid of? 
Were they afraid of, because these pigs dove off into the cliff? No, I think they would have said, hey, uh, we want to be um, um, paid back for those pigs. No, nothing said of that. What are they afraid of? They had just watched, at least not even watched, they knew of this guy that was demon-possessed. I mean, he was known countrywide. And now, here's this guy sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. That's a fear of God. They had seen with awesome power what Jesus had done. See, that, that's a situation that we see very much like the disciples had watched something that was out of this world that had just happened before them, and they were terrified in the sense of awe-stricken. They were reverent to that kind of a God. Now, the other verse that I want you to... We're, we're, i just like to go there because I want this to be in the back of your mind. This is the one that got me for most of the week. It was uh, something that I, I've just kind of... I don't know that I've done a good job f- for today, but uh, one of the things... This, this was the verse to me that really stuck out in everything that I did and the importance of an, uh, an, a fear of the Lord... That is beneficial. Acts chapter 9. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And again, I'm going to leave the context to you. If you would start reading in verse 19 of that same chapter, Acts chapter 9, verse 19. You might write that down in your notes. From verse 19 and and finish in verse 31. It keeps that context of that particular... It's about the aftermath of Paul's conversion, okay? But I, but I want us to just, just dive right in to verse 31. Just one verse, and I'm, I know I'm taking it out, but I'm giving you the context that you can read yourselves. Verse 31 said this, chapter 9. Then had the churches rest. In other words, they were resting from persecution. If you were going to go back, you would see that the beginning church was under a great deal of persecution, primarily from Saul. But it says here, the churches had re- that the churches rest throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, that is, to be encouraged, to be built up, and watch, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. That's a fascinating verse to me. This church was walking in the fear of the Lord and being comforted by the Holy Spirit. And the church grew. You see what I'm saying? That one there just sticks out at me. I want to know what that's all about. And that's really what the thrust of what we're going to be talking about today uh, will revolve around. Fearing God. Fearing God. And if I was to ask you, uh, what does that conjure up? To be having a fear of the Lord. What would you say? And you probably don't want to say anything because you probably think I will get you in trouble. And you never know about me, right? So I'm going to throw a couple things out there. And in our society, we find all kinds of different aspects of our view of God from a societal viewpoint. So let me ask you this. And this is something I want you to roll through your mind is even as you're going through life, when you see an event or an action or a thought process or maybe something instead, ask yourself, is that walking in the fear of the Lord? Okay, so let's say that you're somewhere and they just and there's a talk that goes on. Well, I don't know about the man upstairs, but, you know, I guess whatever happens is is that walking in the fear of the Lord? No, it's not. Or uh, what's what's another one that would refer to to God in a very, I would say, a very low sense of perspective. What's another one? You've heard of him. What? The man upstairs. Right. Some of them won't even give that credit. They'll say Mother Nature. And just bypass them completely. Is that walking in the fear of the Lord? No, not at all. That's the, that, see, what I'm, I'm kind of opening it up. I want you to kind of analyze in your own mind, in your own life, 
do I have, am I engaged in an, an adequate or a proper fear of the Lord? Actually, there are two types in the sense of fear of God. I'll maybe just point this out real quickly, but from an unbeliever, the one that's not trusted Christ as Savior, there is actually a fear of judgment and eternal death. There's a, there is a, an actual fear that should be there because for God's position, He is just, He is holy, He is righteous. And He's laid out in the Scriptures very clearly the demands of His character. And if you haven't trusted Christ, then you really do need to be afraid. But the beauty of it is, is to the believer... That is the trusted Christ for Savior. There's a fear in the sense of a reverence, an awesome respect for what God has done. I mean, it's gigantic. When you, you think of one of the things that actually helps us through there is, is to study creation. Uh, and that's one of the things, and that's why the, the ark is one of those things with the Institute of Creation Research, is, is just thinking about that. If I was going to take, I, I didn't have my, my dropper with me, but just imagine for me, if I was going to take the glass of water, which I don't have her either, but if I was going to take one drop of water, and just put it on my hand, on my palm. One drop of water. Do you know how many atoms approximately are in one drop of water? Now, an atom is its own little planet, if you will. It's, it's functioning, and it's, it's got all kinds of things that are tying it together very perfectly to make it consistent. And we have 120 different elements that you can break down to that single atom. Now, in, how, many dro- how many atoms are in one drop of water? Just take a guess. A lot? Yeah, that's a good answer. A lot. A thousand? Ten thousand? Trillions. Okay, that's high. Yeah, that's high. But, that's, but, but the idea is, is you're already thinking, it's a lot, isn't it? One drop of water is, probably, is, is approximately 15 million atoms. Now, the other thing is, that's not the smallest particle. But I'm going to leave it for that right now because I want to go to the extremities. We've got one drop of water is 15 atoms, which, again, I would say it's its own little universe. You have an electron, you have a neutron, you have a proton. And actually, break it down to ions, which is the smallest thing we know of. And it's all intricately designed to hold things together. If any of that electromagnetism that holds us together would change by a little bit, poof, we're gone. We're blowing up. Now, how many of you know how big the universe is? Now, that's pretty small. 15 million atoms in one drop of water. How big is the universe? I want you to tell me the diameter of the universe as we know it. We don't even know how big it is, but the observable. In other words, what we can tell, what we can see, or hypothesize the size of the universe. Now, we're going to have to go with pretty big numbers, aren't we? You already know that. So, let's talk in the sense of light years. How many? That is uh, close. What you've just given me is the radius. <laughs> so let's slow it down. Let's, let's, let's unpack this for a second, okay? Uh, let's just unpack it for a second. Let's go at the speed of light for one second. The speed of light for one second is 186,000 miles. Every second, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. You've went 186,000 miles every single time that we have one second. Okay? You with me? <laughs> no. Okay? Wrap your head around it. Just, 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 just let your head go. Just let your head go. Okay? If we were going to do the diameter, in other words, across the universe, from one side of it to the other, observable, it would be 98 million... 
and you're one in a million what? Light years. <laughs> it's actually, if you want to put it in miles, which this doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It's 5.5 times 10 to the 23rd power. So essentially, we would have 5.5 with 23 zeros behind it. And God spoke it. That's why I fear God. A healthy respect. Now, again, I'm going to say this a number of times because I want to get make sure that we make this clear. The fear of the Lord is not scared. If you get nothing else from what we talked about, the fear of the Lord should never make you run away from God. It should make you run to Him. But the gigantic awesomeness, I don't even have words big enough to just, just look at that now. And that's the God in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Creation speaks so loudly of a creator that is amazing. And the really cool part of that, as you keep going down this line, is the fact that if God is that great, that awesome, and Adam and Eve had their little adventure in chapter 3 of Genesis and decided, you know what, I think we're more important than God's law, God's word, God's desire for us to just do it his way. We're more important than that, and self went on the throne. I just don't know, I can't imagine the depths of God's love to not just wipe them out and say, let's try it again. But he didn't do that. His love was just, his love is more amazing than this. His love is infinite. And even though we don't know the extremities of the universe, really don't know it. We can't, we haven't figured it out. God knows. And I'm here to say this. As amazing as creation is, it is still finite. His love is infinite. Isn't that amazing? It's totally amazing. It's wonderful. Whew, right? How are you guys doing? You got your heads wrapped around this stuff? So we want to, to start with, I think, is what we want to do. We don't know how far we'll get. But I would like to uh, maybe look at three questions today. What is the fear of, the, of God? And we're going to primarily be looking at the Psalms and the Proverbs. What is the fear of God? Why should we fear God? And how do we fear God? You know me, I'm the who, what, why, when, where, right? That's who I am. I always want to know those questions. If you're living life and something happens, don't ask the why question. Just forget about it. It's of no value. Let's go to the how, the what, the where, and the when. But we're going to start with what. What is the fear of God? Let's go to your Bibles. We're going to have lots of scriptures to look at today. Uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs, actually, written by Solomon, gets us out of the box early, describes for us the importance of the fear of the Lord. Now, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, turn with me, and it starts off, actually, in verse 2, it begins right away that wisdom and instruction are incredibly important, but watch verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So it's the key to knowledge and wisdom. That's where we would start. Turn with me now back to Psalm chapter 111. 
uh, pages of your Bible. Probably going to get warm today. There's a lot, a lot of verses that you're going to be able. If not, if you don't have your Bibles with you, write these verses down. Do your investigation at home. Psalm chapter 111 and verse 10. Psalm chapter 111, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Huh, we just read that, didn't we? A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So we find that the fear of God is really the beginning or the key to wisdom and knowledge. If you don't have, let's work it backwards. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to I'm going to be very blunt, but that's exactly what the scripture is saying. Then you have no chance of truly being wise or putting knowledge to use adequately. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's why, and write this, this uh, passage down, uh, Romans chapter 1. Start on uh, verse 16, go to the end of the chapter, and you'll find a description of those that literally don't believe in God. They don't fear Him. And Romans talks about that. Uh, turn with me now to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 33. Watch, we're going to find another little snippet or a, a tidbit for us to be able to add to what we're finding. It says in verse 33, Proverbs chapter 15, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor or before wisdom is humility. Oh, my, now that's interesting. That's really interesting. Have you ever been around someone that knows everything? And if you didn't know they didn't know everything, they would tell you they knew everything? I'm going to tell you right now, that person does not have wisdom, nor do they have the fear of the Lord. Humility, you'll find, is a basis point, and we'll be finding this as we go later, in the sense of the fear of God. The fear of God. It's the key to wisdom. So that would be our first thing in understanding what is the fear of God. It is the key to wisdom. Now, if you're in uh, Proverbs chapter 15, turn back with me to chapter 2 of Proverbs, chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 and verse 5. Now look at this. <clears throat> Proverbs 2, 5 says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. Oh, oh look at this. If you, if you understand the fear of the Lord, you will find the knowledge of God. So the fear of God actually has to do with His knowledge. What knowledge? Actually, the fear of the Lord is knowledge of God Himself. The more you know about God the more you have the fear of the Lord. As, as I look at now, one of the things for me is I love to look at creation. I love to see what's going on in the world around me because what it does, it gives me more fear in the word of reverence or awe for that God that made that. I'm telling you what, I just, uh, it's amazing to me. And the older I get, the more I'm impressed by what God has done. The DNA and all of these things as science continues on, they think they're unraveling things that we've, God made that. And just spoke it. It's beautiful. But it gives me more of a level of... Tr oh, I almost said a word I don't want you to know yet. But it, uh, it excites me in the sense of how great my God is. Now again, not speaking of scared. That's not the fear we're talking about. But knowing God. The fear of God is knowing Him. Proverbs chapter 9. Turn with me there. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Is there a theme here? If you're searching, now this is the thing. If you're searching for wisdom today, if you're going to try it, do without the fear of the Lord, 
You're not going to find it, people. Just stop right now. Just stop and just stop. It's the only thing you can do. But if, if you're interested in having the fear of the Lord and getting an adequate knowledge of God, I'm going to start you saying it that way now. The knowledge of God about himself and everything that he is, that he's, that he's given to us in the world and creation, his word, all of those things, that is the beginning of wisdom. Start there. If you're on a wisdom journey, that's where it starts. Verse 10 keeps going. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You see it? The knowledge of Him. The knowledge of God literally is the understanding of that. Knowing God is more important than anything else in life. Not learning about ourselves. Now, a lot of time is spent... Uh, this would be a question for you. You can keep it to yourself. But what are you spending your time on? What are you spending? What's your pursuits? Where are you looking? Who are you talking to? And what's it all about? Is God number one? Is he the one that you're really interested in knowing more about? That's a question that's good for us. Because if we're not spending time knowing God and wanting to know him, then we probably are not finding a level of the fear of the Lord that's maybe in our best interest. So we have, it's the key to wisdom. It literally means the knowledge of God. And then let's turn to Psalm chapter 33. Let's find a third one. Psalm chapter 33. And let's look at verses 8 and 9. Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> this is speaking about creation. We're kinda, I went just a little bit ahead of myself. But in verses 8 and 9 of Psalm, it says this. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand awe of him. Why? For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. That's a lot said right there. All of the creation, everything that's when he spoke it, it was done and it stayed done. I wish some of the stuff that I would get done would stay done, right? <laughs> God got it done. He spoke it. It's done. It's finished. It's over with. It's complete. There's awe in what he's accomplished. There should be respect for the power of his word. Again, speaking of creation, we, we went through that example already. But you know what? I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but remember, how did Adam become a living soul? What happened to Adam? What did, what did God do? How did, he, how did he start with Adam? Did he, what, what, what did he do? Out of the dust. Of the, in other, should we go back and find it? Let's find that for a second. Well, I, I, didn't, I don't have my notes, but let's just turn back to Genesis, and let's see if we can find that in the first couple of chapters. Genesis, and let's find... Um, oh, where should we find him? Let's go to chapter 1, and let's start in about verse uh, 26. We'll start in verse 25, because that's kind of the, coming to the completion of the rest of things. And it says in verse 25, Genesis chapter 1, God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good, good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he him. God blessed him. God said, I'm be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And that is not the verse I was looking for. So let's go to chapter 2, and let's go to verse 7. But it kind of sets it up. Now we're going to go to details. Obviously, man was made in his image. Now watch this. It talks about actually his formation. Now this is interesting. Everything that we knew up to that was spoken into existence. 
But now God does something pretty special. Verse 7. It says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. This, this man, this homo sapiens, this beginning of all mankind, God formed it. Can you, I, I, I really can't get a picture, but can you work with me? I mean, he formed it out of the dust, and then he breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. I have a lot more fear for God right now than I did just a moment ago. But you know what else? Now, we, we have, you have something in your possession right now that God breathed. He literally breathed. Yes, you each have a soul that is part of God. Only God could put a soul. At conception, there's a soul that goes to that new person. Isn't that cool? But there's something else that you're actually, most of you are holding right now, that it tells us that literally God breathed into it. Let's go to 2 Timothy. And the Holy Spirit, actually, on earnest, the, the Holy Spirit, literally, God is living within you. I say amen to that. Not only were you made in his image, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit, that spirit part of God is literally living within you. You guys are going to be excited by the time we're done today, I can tell. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's turn down to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration, you know what it means? God breathed. Just the same way that man came into existence, God breathed into the word of God to make it what it is. Now, he used human authors. That's not the right word. Human writers. Did you catch me? It's God's word through the minds of men that were moved by God's inspiration or God's breathing the word. Isn't that cool? That's why we have, it has so much power. It's full of life because God breathed into it. So let's review. What is the fear of God? Number one, it's the key to wisdom. Let's write some of this down because there's a lot of notes today. How are your Bibles doing? You need to cool them down or they're doing okay? So number one, it's the beginning of wisdom, the key to wisdom. And number two was... I don't even remember. Oh, uh, the fear of the Lord is literally the knowledge of himself. The more you know about God himself, knowledge of himself, capital H. And number three, a respect for the power Of God's word. God spoke. Okay, so you're starting to, is it starting to flesh out for you a little bit? What is the fear of God? Now, now it's time to just, now I shouldn't do that, but if you were, if I was going to ask the question, if someone just came to you before we were meeting here today and they, and you, they asked you, I don't really, I was reading in my Bible and I don't, what does it mean, what does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? What does that mean? Does it mean you're supposed to, I'm supposed to be scared? I'm supposed to run away from him? Is that what comes to your mind? I'm hoping it doesn't after this one. No, it's not at all that way. It's not at all that way. 
It's just like, remember those disciples? <laughs> Their fear changed from being afraid of an event, being afraid of a storm, being afraid of a wind that looks like they were going to be terrorized by it and maybe even drown. That fear turned into a... I can't believe what I just witnessed. Right? You see it? There's a reverence. There's an awe. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. I don't know where I left. Oh, Second Timothy. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. There's another part of the fear of God. Verse 13. It comes out very, very succinctly. It doesn't leave anything to, to, uh, to question. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then it has a colon, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. God hates pride. He hates arrogancy. So the fear of the Lord is to hate what God hates. Now, again, something we need to ask ourselves. What do you hate? Do you hate what God hates? Or do you hate what me hates? Good question, isn't it? It allows us to see where we're at. Society has a high tolerance for sin. You see that? We're actually redefining sin. That's a word we don't even see anymore. Have you known, when's the last time you've heard sin outside of a church? Actually, it's not even common in a church anymore, is it? But yet it's in God's Word. It's in God's inspiration. He breathed into the Word of God made it very clear that He hates evil. He hates pride. He hates all the things like that. And yet, literally, when's the last time you've heard sin? I haven't heard it for a Outside of our setting? Have you heard it on TV? Have you heard it in a commercial? Watch out for sin. No. No, there's too busy selling us drugs. Or it's called a mistake. A mistake? Yeah. What's, what's another? Yeah, let's, let's go down that line for a minute. It was a mistake. Um, I miss... A white lie. A white lie. I misspoke. <laughs> now we even call a lie. What do we call it? It was, it was a spin. A misunderstanding? They, the, 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 the people spun that. No, they lied, right? Okay? I don't want to belabor this, but I, want, I really want to open this up so that you understand clearly. Hate what God hates. Hate what he hates. He's very clear. So let's, I'm going to turn the page. You don't have to. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. Keep moving along. Proverbs chapter 14, and let's look at verse 27. Proverbs chapter, it's amazing the Proverbs, uh, just, just a tidbit to you, I don't know if I've told you, I probably have, but one of the things, uh, how many of you are familiar with the Proverbs? You say, well, maybe not enough. One of the things that's really important, and uh, I would bet Wade's probably on this program, is if you read the chapter for the day of the month you're on, today would be what day? 19th. So today would be a great day to read Proverbs chapter 19. And if you read a proverb for the day of the month, guess what? At the end of the year, you would have read through the Proverbs 12 times. Billy Graham, that was something that he did. I don't know for how many years, but I mean, if you want to get acquainted with the Proverbs, and if you notice something, it sounds like the fear of the Lord is pretty prominent in the Proverbs. It'd be a great, great place to, get, to, to unfold. If, if you don't know where to read your Bible, just pick up the Proverbs of the date that you're on right now. It's a wonderful thing to, to spice, spice up your life. But here we go. I was in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27. Let's read it. Verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And literally, it's the source of life itself. Now, I'm not talking just about the life in which we're finding ourselves here physically. No, no, no. It's bigger than that. The fountain of life is 
the life beyond, beyond the eternal life, really springs from the fear of the Lord. It's the real life. Now, again, uh, I think I could say this. It's, it's not something that's quantifiable or it, it would be more subjective. But at the same time, show me someone that has the fear of Lord in their life and someone that doesn't. And we could really cut it down to a believer and an unbeliever. A believer, that's one that's trusted Christ as Savior. The fear of the Lord will come from the inside through the power of the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever, one that has not trusted Christ, there's no Holy Spirit in them. There's no way to get the fear of the Lord. In other words, they literally would run from the thing that they fear the most, and usually, in an unbeliever, it is physical death. That is the thing that bugs them the most. And there are obituaries every day in every paper, and there they are. But all of that is behind you if you've trusted Christ. You now have the fountain of life that literally opens up eternal life to you. See, the awe just continues to explode, doesn't it? We can't even, put on, we can't even put quantify that. We can't even understand it fully. Eternal life, wonderful life, real life. And the life even physically here becomes more sustained, more beautiful, more wonderful. Let's go to our next one. Oh, you want me to, you, you want me to keep writing this stuff down or are you guys okay? Okay, one. One of you wants me to write it down, so we'll do that. We'll keep going. Number five is the fountain of life. The fountain of life. Let's just jot that down real quick. Fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. What number was it? Five? Fountain of life. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. Boy, the Proverbs, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. One of the things that we probably struggle with is you probably know someone that, how should you say it? There's no sense of right and wrong. They are really not very good people, and it just seems like they get away with murder. And everybody knows someone like that, right? Okay, let's look at what this proverb says about that. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 17 and 18. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long, for surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. The very hope that you have, and again, we could almost tie it into the fountain of life, but the hope that you have sitting here today when you're in Christ Jesus is the fact that your eternity is fixed. Uh, as you're holding that thought, turn back to a verse that we used some time back, a few weeks, was in Hebrews chapter 6. The hope that you have is literally a word that we want to describe, that is described for us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 as your anchor, as your anchor. And we talk about boats and ships. Um, I remember, um, that was been a number of years ago, Lisa and I had, uh, that was like, how long ago was that? We went and visited Bonnie and Irvin in Los Angeles, like 35 years ago, maybe? Okay, it was a long time ago. And one of the things we did while we were out there um, was we just about got killed a number of times. We rented this little Pinto wagon. And, 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 Lee, and, we got, and so you, then you go to the, the, to the store, you, know, you, buy the, you buy the atlas. Or it looked like an atlas. It was that thick. It was just Orange County, right? So Lisa's in the, dry, in the passenger seat navigating, and I'm, <laughs> I'm clenched for... I'm going to take her to the, to the end, right? And, and on the, it, had, it, was, it, was a, it was a little five-speed or four-speed, I don't remember. And the, and the boot over that was, it was not there, and you could just look right down to the highway. And I thought, you know, it was just like, this is a scary deal, right? 
Okay, why did I share all those details? Other than the fact that it made a difference, didn't it? It's maybe something to me. One of the things we did is we wanted to see a few of the sites, and we went to see the Spruce Goose and the Queen Mary. That was in Long Beach, okay? What do you know about the Queen Mary? Anybody? Has anyone seen the Queen Mary? It's a ship, yeah. Has, has anybody seen it? I mean, we're the only two in this place, Lisa and I. Oh, you've seen it? Okay. So what was your impression of the Queen Mary? It made an impression. Yeah. <laughs> it, rather large, right? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good size. And as we would have, as we kind of went through the different decks, you know, you go through the, the one thing that did really still, and it's, it just seems odd to me that it would stick out to me, because there was lots of things to look at, right? It was, it was gigantic. To me, I mean, just a country kid from Sheridan, Montana, I'm just like, wow, right? But the thing that impressed me was the size of the anchor. And the size of the chain links that held the anchor. It was huge. And I, I just, I know Lisa's got pictures. Well, she's got pictures of everything. I mean, there's, that woman has taken more pictures than any other person on the planet. I know it is. She'll take 2,000 a day, right? I'm picking on my wife. I better not do that. But, but it was, but it was, that just, I, I just still remember 35 years ago, and I still remember how gigantic that thing was. And you know what? It still sticks in my mind. When I read it in the Bible, let's read that. Well, I'm trying to get that in your mind for just a second. Now, let's read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Verse 8, let's start. Uh, We've got to start back just a little bit. Verse 18, we'll start there. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie... He's talking about Abraham, what he promised him. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. We talked about that. That veil was split when Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was split from the top to the bottom, a a two-foot thick veil. that There's no way anyone could have done that. And when Jesus died and said, it is finished, at that very moment, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that baby was split from the top to the bottom. And at that point, the significance of that, which we talked about several weeks ago, was the fact that now it was wide open for everyone to go to the holiest of holies and be really exposed to the mercy seat, to have the grace that God had shed through Calvary's tree in Jesus' blood on everyone. And that hope is like the anchor of your soul, just like it is for that Queen Mary. And to stop that big ship, they needed a big anchor. I need a big hope, and my hope is fixed. Where? In the fear of the Lord. Let's go back now and read that again for ourselves. It'll even make more sense to you. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, just flip back. You were probably just there. Verses 18 and 19 in the sense of hope. For surely, I'm sorry, verse 17, let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. For surely there is an end for thine expectation. That hope shall not be cut off. That hope is an anchor. His promises that he has promised will come true. Don't envy the world. It's passing away. They have no, there's no future to it. So uh, fear of the Lord is your hope as well. Hope in the Lord. Number six. And you're starting to wonder, how many are you going to have? No guess? Actually, this part of it, the qu- oh, by the way, what were these six answers? What was the question? You see, Paul sometimes tells me that there's answers for it, there's no questions. So we just gave six answers. What was the question? Does anybody remember the question? What is the fear of the Lord? Very good. And those six things literally would, you could say, are answers to what is the fear of the Lord. Those six things we could tie into that. But now we want to talk, why? 
Why should we fear God? Why should you fear God? Now, one of the things I'd also like to say is, uh, um, how can we tell? There's, there's, there's also like a barometer. There's like a gauge, if you will, on, on the fear of the Lord gauge. And you ha- each one of you have that. You say, really? Where's it at? Oh, it's inside. And you can tell when the fear of the Lord is kind of evaporating and you're kind of getting down to the end when this is what will happen. It's when the circumstances you find yourself in and you're riveted to that. And you're starting to be concerned and your anxiety is high and you're worrying about stuff. And that, that, or a person that you wonder, you're concerned or worried about a person thinks of you. You know what's happening? The fear of the Lord meter is going to the left. You're running out of adequate fear of the Lord. Because now circumstance, in fact, we said this, when the fear of the Lord is proper, right, and full, you will fear little else. In fact, literally nothing else. Last week we talked about a fear, an unhealthy fear. That's fearing circumstances, people, or things. When you're fearful, guess what? You're out of fuel. How do you be out of fuel? What did we talk about last week? What was it we talked about refueling? How do you get fueled? You walk in the Spirit. You live in the Holy Spirit. You keep on keeping being filled by the Spirit. Keep your fuel full. It's the same thing. When you're, when you're having not that proper awe, reverence, the fear of the Lord in your lives that's complete, circumstances will overpower you. You will find things that irritate you. You will find your relationships to be just a little bit rough because the fear of the Lord is not present to a level that can really get your, fixed, your eyes fixed back where it needs to be. It's amazing how that works. So let's talk, again, let's talk about why we should fear God. Why? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, and let's look at verse 27. Proverbs 10, verse 27. This is a good reason. This is a really good reason. Well, why should I fear God? Verse 27 of Proverbs says this, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Again, this ties in somewhat... Well, before I say that, hold your place right here. We'll be right back. And let's make sure that we understand 1 Corinthians. Turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. Some of you are tired of turning in your Bible. Write these things down. You can take, uh, take notes and then uh, finish looking um, in your spare time at home. But in verse 19 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it says this. If in this life only, in other words, the physical life you're living right now, uh, Whatever age you are in this life, if it's in this life only that we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, right? If this is the only thing you're worried about, we've missed it. If, and I've told you this many times. I would not be here with you. It would be a waste of my time if I did not know with a confident beyond a shadow of a doubt after studying it out that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and there is an eternal life for me. Because of what he accomplished. If that was not so, I would not bother being here. But the point of the matter is, now reading what we read in Proverbs, it's not just about this life. Let's go back and read it with its full context in the sense of its eternal life. Back to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. Let's read it again. It says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Not only in the sense of the eternal part of it, but even the quality of someone that fears the Lord is much more enhanced, much more robust than those that do not fear God. Let's turn to the second one, 
reason for why we should fear God. Let's turn to... Get, where do you think we're going to turn? Proverbs. Proverbs. Very good. Chapter 14 and verse 26. Well, we've already been to verse 27. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 26 says this. In the fear of the Lord, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. What is that? Well, let's go to Proverbs chapter 19. It'll either further describe it for us. Keep going. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied, and he shall not be visited with evil. Bottom line, someone that is engaged in the fear of the Lord adequately and properly, protection is what you receive. That's a good reason to be involved in and to have a proper respect for the fear of the Lord. Protection, a refuge, a shield, a, a fortress, a deliverance. Let's actually look at a couple of passages in the New Testament, uh, maybe expanding upon that just a little bit further. Go to 2 Thessalonians. See if you can find that with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'll read the first three verses. It follows along very nicely the same thing. In verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. You see the level of protection. Remember what Jesus spoke in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17? Turn with me there for a moment. He's praying for actually us, if you can believe that. In that time, just before he was crucified, just before he was betrayed in John chapter 17, he prayed for us. And I didn't write the verse down. So let me look real quickly. Yeah, there it is. Verse 15. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 15. I pray not... This is Jesus' words. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Protection. When you have an adequate fear of the Lord, protection is a good reason why we should fear the Lord. Let's go to Psalm chapter 33. How are you guys doing? You hanging on? This is pretty heavy stuff, right? I mean, we're cruising. You okay? I got the deer in the headlights looks, right? Let's keep going for a little while. Uh, Psalm chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Psalms 33, verses 18 and 19. We'll find the sense of provision. Verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Them that hope in his mercy. How beautiful. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Not only does he protect you, he provides for you. Go over to the next chapter, verse 34, and look at verses 8 through 10 of chapter 34 of Psalms. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth. Now you've seen a whole... We flipped a page. Guess what the fear of the Lord is? Trusting in him trusting in him you have fear in the lord then you're going to be trusting him you're going to be trusting him protection provision there's something else that's even more important to those that are his turn with me to psalm chapter 147 it pleases god when we have a fear or a trust 
and awe, a reverence for him. 147 of Psalms, verses 10 and 11. I like this. It says, He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure exactly what that means. But one of the things that comes to my mind, how many of you have exercised to an nth degree? I mean, you are buff. No one's going to raise their hand right now because it's so incriminating, isn't it? But did you see that? God really, that doesn't really impress him. (laughs) What does impress him? In fact, read the next verse. This is pretty cool. Verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure. Ah, he taketh pleasure in them that what? Fear him. In those that hope in his mercy. You find that again too. Did you see it? The hope in his mercy. When you're trusting God, when you're trusting, when you're putting your hope in his mercy, that brings pleasure to him. Remember what, uh, what this is actually stepping back one, but you remember Job? <clears throat> that, that whole, and then, how many chapters are in Job? 40, 42, is that? Okay, close enough for me. Does anyone know any different? Somebody can look it up real quick. But anyway, whatever it is, it's, it's a long book, and it's about a man that was living right. He really had a fear of God, didn't he? He really did. But God's going to make a point. And actually, I can't imagine how many innumerable people over the course of history have been able to go to Job and say, you know what? I can go another day because of what Job was able to do with God. I mean, just think of it. Job probably didn't see it that way for a moment or two. But you know, he said something that really sticks in my mind. Though the Lord slay me, yet... I will trust him. Have you had those moments where you just say, wow, I can't take any more of this? Job said, even though there's, there's, it, it looks, it, it, there's nothing left, even though he slay me, I'm still going to trust him because there's no place better for me to be trusting. And that's really what the fear of the Lord is based on, is trusting in him. Hoping in his mercy, that's fearing the Lord. It's the same, it's the same concept. It pleases God when we fear him. Now, there's one more. Uh, We actually are blessed from God when we have the fear of the Lord in our lives. Turn back to Psalm chapter 25. Psalm chapter 25, and we'll look at verse 12. Psalm chapter 25. Psalm 25, and let's look at verses 12 through 14. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Now, I'm going to just look at a couple more passages and psalms. Let's just go quickly. Psalm chapter 31. Just just take right off. Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of God. And, and I've got you that are taking notes, Psalm 103, 11, 13, and 17. Psalm 103, 11, 13, and 17. Psalm 115, 13 through 15. Psalm 128, 1 and 4. Psalm 145, verse 19. All of those verses really give to you the blessings that become yours when you have a fear of the Lord, when you're trusting Him, when you're amazed and reverent with awe as how majestic our God is. He provides blessings. So let's recap that. How or why should you fear the Lord? Number one. Anybody remember? Excuse me? 
Did I do that? Okay. Let me go back. Let me go back just a second. Prolongs life. Yeah, okay, prolongs life. And, and, and at, what did you say first, Karen? Eternity? Yeah, and it is. Actually, what it does, it prolongs the life, not just this life, but it goes on. So it prolongs life. That's why we should fear the Lord. It prolongs life. Number two, protection. protection. We are provided protection when we have a, a fear of the Lord. And number three, provision. provision. He provides for our needs. Number four, I think you said it, Paul. What did you say? It pleases him. It pleases God when we have a fear of him. And number five, he provides blessings to us. See, there's a lot going on. Is this too busy for you? Should we just take a... Everybody just take a breath. Is it better? Not really, is it? Okay. We've got one question we need to answer yet. Are you okay? We have one that's Okay. Okay, let's try it. We're going to come. I just know enough because we're going to come back next. We're going to, just, we're going to you know, it's the second time over. It just kind of brings it all back together. And there is so much questioning in your eyes right now, but that's okay. Let's try it. Let's find out how do we have the fear of the Lord? How do we do it? How do we do it? Okay, we've talked about what it is, why. Let's go to how. Well, one of the things that we've found already in the fact is... If we go back to what it was, do you remember what it was? One of them was knowing about God himself. So what do you think would be one of the real key ways? How could we fear the Lord? And how do we do that? <laughs> Reading the Bible, that's right. Engaging, immersing, permeating your mind, your soul, everything that you are in the word of God. Because remember what we talked about? Just as, as Adam was made a living soul when God breathed into the nostrils of him. The inspiration of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, God breathed into the word of God. What better place for us to get a, a fuller exposure and, and an understanding of who he is than to keep reading his word, keeping his word, getting to know him better. Now, the other thing is, this is the second one would be obedience. How many times have you read something and you say, you know what, I'm going to think about that if, if I really want to do that. Remember what the question I was going to be asking you is? What was the question? Is that, is that fearing the Lord God? So let's, let's try it. Let's try it out. Let's just try this out. Y'all with me now? Let's go to Colossians. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's find something. And, let, and then let's see how we would respond. Let, okay, let me, let me set this up. Let me set this up for you. Let's say that uh, basketball was a new concept to you. But you had a great desire for it. You know, somewhere in the headlines you wrote, you read basketball, and you went, what's that? I wonder what basketball's about. So you went and got books at the library, and you, or you got on your, on your iPhone or whatever it is, your iPad, and you started, you started just digging into basketball, and you found its historical roots, and you found how it's metamorphosed, and you've watched some games, and you've watched video, and you understand the principles of the games, and you've talked to coaches, and you're getting, you know, you've got this thing figured out. It's really coming together, right? And then somebody from the neighborhood comes over and says, hey, we're going to have a game of pickup over there in the park. You want to play some basketball? And you say, no, I don't think so. I don't want to play it. <laughs> See, what did you just do with that? Are you kidding me? You mean you'd go through all of that work and then you wouldn't even play the game? Just stick Christian in there right now. 
Uh-huh. Obedience is doing it. Remember that Nike commercial? The end? Just do it. <laughs> That's what sometimes God must say. Larry, just do it. Not, not that Larry, this Larry. I'm talking to me up front, right? Larry, just do it. So now let's, let's check out and let's see what we come up with. Let's go to Colossians for a moment. Colossians chapter 3. And as you know in Paul's uh, epistles, it's amazing. He lays out for us doctrine. He lays out for us foundational theological thoughts. And then he turns it into rubber meeting the road. Okay? So now we could actually start. Let's just do it right here. Uh, chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Let's just, let's just take off here for a moment. And he says, if you then be risen with Christ. In other words, if you've trusted Christ or since you've been risen with Christ. Then seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection, your love on things above and not things on the earth. Okay, and you can think about that for a little bit. Huh, that's not a bad idea. I wonder what that looks like. Well, let's keep reading. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Look at the, at the extensiveness and where we're going with infinity in mind in the sense of life. Then verse 5. Mortify or put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked in some time when you lived in them. But now put off all of these as well, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy, communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with these deeds. And you say, huh. Boy, I don't know if I want to do that. Paul, I'm going to give you a call. Let's get together and kind of sit down and see if that makes good sense for us. Sorry to pull you into this thing, but... Is that walking in the fear of the Lord? Why not? You're all shaking your head, but why not? There's no consequences. You really aren't trusting that he knows what he's talking about. Remember? Do you remember how we, one of the things we talked about contentedness? Remember that? What was, one of the, what was the first concept in the sense of being content in the Lord? What was it? N- knowing God ultimately, and then to, to believe and completely trust in His providence for you. You're trusting Him with everything that you are, that God knows what's best for you. And it, right here, do, who, whose interest is He interested in? Us. And for me to be, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. Let's keep going. Where did we leave off? I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in the wrong chapter. There we go. Um, Verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, put on these as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. And we could take time. I can make a whole sermon out of that one verse. When's the last time that you've really chosen to be humble and meek and gentle and kind? You know, that was what, uh, thanks for praying for me last week. I, I remember I had that meeting that was kind of complicated. And I really it came to the point, God needs to be God. There's nothing more important right now than God. God is number one. He's in charge. And regardless of circumstance, relationships, or whatever, they are secondary to what God has because he got me here and he can take me away and it will be his no matter what happens. You know the two verses that spoke to me? Let me go there right now. Ephesians chapter 4. Just turn back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. Man, it was, it's cool. Now, you make a decision, though. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, 
Verse, we'll start in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, it's Paul speaking, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Watch. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in, in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's literally saying this. I want you to have humility and gentleness at all times. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's so simple, right? Usually when that problem arises, those are the first two things that exit the room. Humility and gentleness, right? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, right? It's easy to do, isn't it? But the one that really sticks out in my mind, and this is the one that comes to me when, 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 I, when you're just about, oh, man, right? Let's go to verse 15, same chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. See, these are all things that God is asking us to do. If we're trying to figure out how not to do them, then we're certainly not... Fearing the Lord. Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love. Husbands and wives, not to put anybody on the spot, that is not as easy as it sounds sometimes, is it? Speaking the truth in love. And actually, it's not for anyone. Because it's sometimes really, I'm going to give them the truth. Or sometimes it's, well, I, don't, I can't really say the truth. I just, I just have to love them. Neither one is right. The truth is what sets us free, but how we say it is cool. Have I worry out yet? Just about. Let's go back. We've got a couple things left. Let's go back. How do we fear God? We, by keeping his words, by obe- obeying it. Don't just think about it. Just do it. And let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to move quickly. We've got about four left. Just hold your breath. We're going to get it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Proverbs 3, 7. I'll be there in a second myself. Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I'm going to add one more verse to that. Proverbs 16, 6. 16, 6. By mercy and truth... Iniquity is purged. Isn't that true? By, by mercy and truth and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Third thing, how do you want to fear God? Stay away from sin. There's not anyone saying anything right now, right? Stay away from sin. The third one is to serve him. Remember when Joshua, um, write this down in your notes. We're going to go quickly. We've run you hard here. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Remember what he said? Today you need to choose who you're going to serve. You're going to serve God or someone else. Remember what Elijah said? He had all those people there at the Baal worship party, right? He says to the whole nation of Israel, Today, choose who you're going to worship. You're going to worship Baal or you're going to worship the Lord God, the one that brought you into the promised land, the one that brought you through the Red Sea, the one that led you through the wilderness. Who are you going to choose? You know what they said? Nothing. They didn't know who they were going to pick. I'm afraid if you ask major town America, you go to Washington, D.C. today, choose who you're going to want to worship. If they did know, they wouldn't pick the right one. The God that allowed us to literally be broken free from Great Britain. We shouldn't have had a chance. General Washington and his troops shouldn't have. They didn't have a single chance. But they prayed to God. They trusted Him. They had the fear of the Lord in their camp. And God responded by the very things that we've talked about. I'm I'm digressing again. Number four, praising Him. 
I want to go to Psalm chapter 23 here. Psalm chapter 23. 22, I'm sorry. Psalm 22, 23. We're going quickly now. We've got one left. Psalm chapter 22, verse 33. That's a problem. Oh, 23. There we go. I was going to say there's no 33 there. 23. You that fear the Lord, praise Him. All you, the seed of Jacob, glorify Him. Fear Him, all you, the seed of Israel. You want to know how to fear God? Praise Him. Worship Him. You're here today with... It's on your mind. You want to lift him up. You want to glorify him. You want to know more about him. That's all a way, a course of figuring how to fear God. And the last one, let's go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. I bet your notes are full. If you took them, that is. Psalm 115, verse 11. This one here is the one I'd like to leave with you. Verse 11, chapter 115. You that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, He is your help. Is He is their help and their shield? You want to know how to fear the Lord? Trust in Him. Remember the verse. Where was the verse that I I told you I'd leave with that one? But the one that I've been over, kind of the umbrella one that got me involved all week long. Acts chapter nine verse thirty one. What did it say? Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That should be that should be our desire. Because there's no safer place, there's no better place for us to be contented, glorifying, and in the fear of the Lord than right there. That is a perfect zone for us to be. Did I wear you out? Go ahead and admit it. That was a lot going on, wasn't it? But that is a proper fear that we are to have. And it will, the more, let's, let's review the couple things that are really, really important. The fear of the Lord should never have you running away from God, because if it is, then it's the wrong kind of fear. That means you're scared of Him. The fear of the Lord should always have you running to Him because He's just like a father. His arms are open and He wants to just pick His child up and love Him like you've never seen love before. Because again, remember, oh, it's gone. We talked about the universe and how unbelievable it is and the size and scope. It's still finite. It's still finite. His love is infinite. His love is infinite. Now, if that doesn't build some awe and some reverence and some trust and some magnificent things in your mind in regards to God, then I don't know what would do it. May God be praised. May He be glorified. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today, in the quietness of your heart, that opportunity is yours. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. And He wants you to be able to walk with him let's pray father god thank you for the day thank you for your love and care father the amount of material that we've crossed and went into today is phenomenal but it tells us again the importance of having and walking in the fear of the lord father there are consequences for not walking in the fear of the lord and they're laid out here but father it's my desire for these here today that they would cultivate and consummate the principles that you've laid out of fearing you. Father, it's not a sense of timidity or terror or being scared of you, Father. It's the sense of awe. Because the more we find out about you, the knowledge of you is it's irrepressible, Father, but it's gigantic in the scope and size because you are infinite. 
infinite in love, infinite in holiness, infinite in righteousness, sovereignty. You depend on no one or anything. The more we speak of you, the more we sense of you, the larger you become and the less fear we have for other things when we have a proper fear and respect, reverence, and awe for you. Father, may it bring us running to you as you hold us, especially during those very difficult times, those times in which we have no answers, but you can be trusted. You are our anchor. The hope we have is our anchor. Father, lift us up. Hold us in your arms. Father, this week there will be situations, problems, things unfolding that will seem overwhelming. But Father, with you, nothing is impossible. One day at a time, one moment at a time, trusting you is the perfect place for us to engage in a proper walking in the fear of the Lord. Comfort us, establish us in the power of the Spirit as well that lives within us when we've trusted Christ. Now, Father, take these, use us, mold us, make us what you want us to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen.